0: Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God.
1: This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to... Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest,
0: your hermitage of the heart,
1: your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven, draw near to God and his wisdom and his truth so that we can understand how to navigate navigate the very difficult challenges of this life. And today we have a guest that I'm excited to bring on. I think he's one of the best young minds in the Catholic Church today dealing with a lot of the challenges that we have between traditionalists and people in the ordinary form and, and kind of all the various flavors that come with that. Uh, he's a guy that I think is in no way waters down the truths of the church, which, but at the same time is balanced. I usually don't like that word, but if I couple the two together, he's bold in his proclamation and commitment to the truths of the church, but balanced is really trying to bring the clans together, if you will, uh, to help us to fight the real enemies of the church, which uh, sometimes we can get too, too much mired in wrestling with each other when, and then that means the church doesn't go forward because we're not occupied with the more important challenges that come from the outside in or from the inside that are deviant and unfaithful and, and trying to wreck the church from the inside, whichever way. Anyway, why don't you introduce some stuff?
0: Okay, so we've invited Timothy Flanders to discuss Meaning of Catholic, um, the Handbook of Moral Theology. This is a Prumer. Is it Prumer? Prumer, yeah, but go ahead and introduce him. We'll get to that other stuff. Timothy Flanders is the editor of 1 Peter 5. He is the author of City of God versus City of Man, the Battles of the Church from Antiquity to the Present and Introduction to the Holy Bible for Traditional Catholics. I love that title. Um, his writings have appeared at One, P- One Peter Five and Crisis, as well as Catholic Family News. In 2019, he founded The Meaning of Catholic, a lay apostolate dedicated to uniting Catholics against the enemies of Holy Church. He holds a decree a degree in classical languages from Grand Valley State University and has done graduate work with the Catholic University of Ukraine. He lives in Michigan with his father with his wife and six children Welcome, awesome Tim wow
2: thanks so much for having me what an honor to be with both of you thank you very much
1: well Tim Timothy the one of the reasons for this show is I watched a show you did with uh, father Ripperger on the de- the the decline of moral theology and I just want to set this up and just talk about why it's happened and help people understand at a real practical level the problem so, what I've seen um, in this, uh, uh, both of us give a lot of spiritual direction to folks and, uh, of course, deal with the topic of spiritual progress. And one of the, one of the modern trends that, that really is, I think, incredibly destructive is when you talk to people about sin. So in order to make spiritual progress, the, the normative spiritual progress is you get rid of habitual mortal sin then you get rid of habitual venial sin, then you start working more on virtue and, uh, you know, imperfections. So there's this normal process that we've seen uh, across the ages have been normative for spiritual writers. So a a fundamental aspect of how we make progress must be deep, deep rooting in the sacraments, daily mental prayer, and these certain uh, uh, spiritual disciplines, if you will. Often people can do all of those things but not make a lot of progress because they don't understand, they have a, an impoverished view of sin. And, and I'll give you one, the most common reality that I experience. When I'm talking about mortal sin, people always, I've never, okay, and I'm using these terms on purpose, I've never heard anyone say, Anything but, well, the the what distinguishes a mortal sin and, and how bad it is or or the severity of the problem is in a whole is purely whether or not I know it's a sin, I have full cooperation, and then I, you know, do the sin. And I always think you're acting as if your culpability is the only measure of the gravity of sin, right? Does that make sense sense, Timothy?
2: Yeah, it's. I mean, it's a very subjective way of thinking, and obviously, culpability is a factor in sin. Um, There's certainly a gradation of mortal sin, certainly, Um, but there is uh, the devil is is a great um, deceiver in rationalizing our sin, rationalizing our minimizing our sin, um, and taking away that that culpability and taking away the gravity of the sin, mm-hmm. the offense against almighty God. Um, and at, when we first talked about this um, privately, Dan, um, the first thing that came to my mind was the injunctions in the old Testament for offering sacrifice for sins that were committed in ignorance. Right. And so these sins are, are really probably the least culpable sins out there. And yet, Almighty God demands sacrifice to offer reparation for even these sins. Right. And so there's, there should be a repentant heart for offending Almighty God, for detracting from the glory that is due to him, even in the sins in w- of which we are ignorant. Um, so the, um, I think of Teacher von Hildebrand's uh, method of concerning with uh, the, the response to value the response to the infinite value of God. And if if our minds are focused on God, like you you speak of mental prayer, if we're we're focusing on God, we should weep at the fact that our sins detract from that glory due to him. And that should be our first thought before we talk about our culpability.
1: I wonder if this is right. And and I, I, and I don't know if it's theologically right in my sense of sin. So there's a difference between culpability and, Therefore, punishment. Let's say, um, but let's say I'm driving down the street in my Jeep. I don't have it anymore, but it didn't stop very fast because it had giant tires, and um, and um, I had a because I was driving a vehicle that it was designed to be a little less, not sufficiently safe for the road, and it, it didn't stop well enough. I'm driving through a neighborhood. A little kid runs out. And I run over the kid. I didn't see him coming. I couldn't have stopped, in this situation. Well, my culpability is 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 low, right? Because it worked according to highway safety standards and all of that. But the effect of the sin is devastating, right? It it's it's killed a child. It's devastated a family. And it's an extreme example. But what I'm trying to get at is that our sins are not just the, the, the damage done is far beyond just what I'm responsible for or what I will be held accountable for. And I want to add another one and then get your response. The other one is I just have this sense uh, and, and maybe I'm taking it too far. Like, like when I, when I struggle in a particular way, like I have lung disease, and when I'm struggling with that, one of the ways I deal with that is I conceive of Jesus on the cross and he's suffering. And part of the, de- you know, the reason got, they died on, on the cross crosses was asphyxiation. And so I would join in his suffering and I would meet him in, in my little sliver of suffering in some way, understanding his to, to, to the tiniest degree. And then I would console him in that. I just have this sense of this never-ending relationship with Jesus and his suffering but I don't want it, even the smallest sins he had to pay for and I don't want him to suffer any in any way ever because of sins I commit whether or not I've done them on purpose or not am I I don't know if I'm you know Stephanie might have a better way of looking at this but I I'm just trying to get at to help people understand it's not just about you and your culpability.
2: Yeah, I, I mean, I've, another example that I think of is in marriage, mm-hmm. uh, because, you know, one can offend one's spouse, you know, just totally unintentionally or unwittingly or whatever. And, you know, that can have a dramatic impact on your relationship or your heart. And you want to heal that breach, whatever it may be. Uh, whether it was something done unintentional or, or, you know, it had to do with past wounds or mm-hmm. this or that thing, you know, various, so many different things can affect that intimacy. And one always is striving to heal that intimacy, grow that intimacy. Um, <clears throat> another example, I think of it in the old Testament is, is the, um, when uh, Joshua fights the battle of Jericho but then the very next battle is the is AI and they lose because one of the Israelites had taken of the anathema. Yeah. And so he had affected everybody else, even though right. nobody else was culpable for that. But I think
1: they he called was... it sin in the camp. Right.
2: Yeah. So it was. Um, but th- this is the result of our our own sins, which can even be totally, you know, we could have no culpability for a particular sin. But it can still affect other people, and we should still work to uh, heal that. Um, And the effects of our sins, we think first of Almighty God, the detraction of his glory, and then we think of other people near us, people who have been hurt by our sins or our imperfections, things that are not sins per se, but they're still things that we could do better at. Um, All of these things have an effect on other people have an effect on our brother. And if, if we're, if we're really focusing on mental prayer and we're just sort of forgetting ourselves in the spiritual life, we're just forgetting ourselves in, in humility. Uh, we're conforming ourselves to the truth so that we're are, um, as St. Augustine says, the fear of God is always before our eyes. And, and if we're before our brother, we're thinking about that. He is in the image of God and we're, we're treating him with charity and respect. Um, it, it, we should mourn over the fact that our sins detract from the great order that god has created so we should we should have this penitent spirit when encountering that
0: yeah what what strikes me about this this whole dis- this whole discussion is is the necessity through mental prayer through our encounter with the lord to move beyond the intellectual knowledge of sin and how it affects others and and how it ultimately affects God to a movement of the heart where we grow in love with the Lord. Because if we're in love with Him, just as we might hopefully are in love with our spouse, the idea of hurting Him causes us pain. The idea of detracting from His glory is is painful to us, and we don't want to go there. That's a perfection of love that I think we're all called to, that is way beyond just the knowledge of sin and its effects. We're going to have to take a break. So when we get back, we'll pick up on this theme and uh, our discussion with Timothy Flanders.
3: We'll be right back. Discover more and apply today at avaladashinstitute.org.
1: Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. Uh, this is Dan and Stephanie Burke with our guest Timothy Flanders of the Meaning of Catholic. He's also the editor of One Peter Five. Timothy, I'm you know my analogies were pretty bad at the first half, so I apologize. But what I'm, it, it's hard to get at this. But Stephanie said something before the break that I think. I can really go at it well because I've taught this before at the Aval Institute. There is a movement in Catholic spirituality that is a blending of non-Christian Eastern thought with Catholic spirituality. I'll tell you the, the name of it in a minute as several manifestations, but basically the there is no concern for the moral dimension of relationship, no concern. So all spiritual progress is the realization of your oneness with God. All spiritual progress is the utilization of, of these uh, mantras to empty your mind and all of that. But back to your analogy before the break, Tim, if, if, I, if, I, was, uh, pursue, if I said, well, I love my wife and I'm pursuing my wife, but then in, in my wife's view, I, I go and I'm chasing the neighbor's wife around, and then I come back home and expect intimacy with her, I'm an absolute fool, right? So similarly, if we say we want intimacy with God, we must understand, as what uh, Timothy said uh, before the break, what detracts from his glory or what harms him or the focus that uh, Stephanie pointed out, which is a little bit where I was at, which is you, you, you are so grateful for all the good that he's done for you that you don't want in any way to, to detract from his glory. That phrase I think is very powerful. Mm-hmm. In any way to contribute to the harm uh, that sin, sin has cosmic consequences. Mm-hmm. It, it it ripples out, if you will, and wrecks people around us. It invites the demonic. I mean, uh, Father Ripperger uh, once said, which I, th- I think is perfectly accurate. He said that one mortal sin uh, is sufficient for someone to be completely possessed because it's a full rejection of God and a complete rege- and a and a complete embrace of the of the of the devil's plan and essentially an invitation to the enemy. So as we're trying to grow spiritually, we must understand and have sound moral theology. And Timothy, that's a problem in our time because of how cloudy and murky these waters are. Maybe why is it that way? And then maybe let's turn a corner and look at a few resources for our for our listeners. Certainly.
2: Uh, well, there's yes a, a number of uh, factors, lots of different factors involved. Um, but the the factor that I think of is uh, what Joseph Ratzinger, uh, as Pope Emeritus Benedict, he rest in peace. Um, he wrote a piece shortly after the uh, most recent sex abuse revelations he wrote Mm -hmm. a piece about the breakdown of moral theology
0: Mm -hmm.
2: and he said that it was after vatican ii that people wanted to create a moral theology system solely from the bible Mm -hmm. and reject the natural law tradition Mm -hmm. and this was a this is a misunderstanding of of vatican ii but it happened and um so they what they they took this this moral theology tradition which had been built up with uh from natural law utilizing certain good features from plato and aristotle um which had been systematized in various ways and it was it was in the manuals and they said we're just gonna throw that out and just create something out of the bible only um but if we if we only take the bible and we reject the tradition yeah. Uh, as we know, that's that's a Protestant mentality and you can't get every single moral question answered by strictly using scriptural quotations. Yeah. Um, so this is one of the factors sort of within the theology. But obviously, there's cultural, social factors there's pressures upon the church um, that have caused this. Uh, but there is this growing false moral theology, which was it was before Vatican II. also Pius XII makes mention of this um there there is this sort of consequentialism this um utilitarianism um the ends justify the means which mm-hmm. really comes from marxism um so that that kind of moral theology began to uh seep into the church already yeah. um so this sort of poisonous attitude which is putting everything on your subjective culpability so that you can sort of dismiss the reality of sin um, so those are some of the factors. Yeah. But there's all sorts of different factors we can look
1: at. So I want to recommend two books for our listeners. If you want to, if you, if, if you have a sense you may have m- been cheated out of a, a good or, or a more solid understanding of moral theology that's hindering your relationship with God. Uh, one is the, the, the seven deadly sins. Um, we use this as a text, even though it's not a, a, Normally, uh, would be thought of as a textbook, a Thomistic guide vanquishing vice and sin, for our course on breaking the chains that bind us, which is a help, which is an introduction to moral theology that we give to our students who want to become spiritual directors, so that we can help, uh, you know, disabuse them of some of this problem. But the second text you introduced me to in that podcast with, with uh, Father Ripperger, tell us a bit, a little bit about the Handbook of Moral Theology.
2: Yeah. So, so this is the and this is the um, Handbook of Moral Theology Centenary Edition, which has just been uh, reprinted by Benedictus Books, which is a division of Sophia mm-hmm. um, introduction by Father Chad Ripperger. Um, this is um, really one of the best moralists that existed before Vatican II, who wrote a this Handbook of Moral Theology, which is actually a summary of he has a three volume set, which is a summary. My son is joining us for a month.
1: Perfect. Hey. This is a family show. Hey, bud. Can you have some meat? He wants so, want some meat. Can you? Can you can <laughs> he wants want some, some meat. You got you to I'll give, you, I'll you, give gotta,
2: it to you in like 10 minutes, okay? Uh, I'll get that for you, okay? Just a minute. Perfect. A true, a true
1: boy. He tr- wants meat. And it's, and it's <laughs> yeah, really good, go. father. The door's not locked.
2: <laughs> I like it. Good. uh Yeah, so uh, Dominic Prumer is somebody who um, <clears throat> now the door is locked. Yeah. <laughs> so, the, uh, no. <laughs> um, so Dominic Prumer, this, the, the moral theology manual is very helpful because mm-hmm. it is a manual. So it, it basically just gives, gives you the ABCDEFG of mm-hmm. every moral question or lots of them. And the, these basic principles and he was one of the best, one of the most relied upon sources before Vatican II. He was used as a textbook of moral theology. So in seminary, you'd have Prumer, yeah. and you'd have uh, the common phrase is "look it up in Prumer," mm-hmm. and that was what pe- people would say at that in those days because he was sort of the standard of moral theology. So um, this this text is very very helpful for getting some very very some real great basics of moral theology and what's wonderful is he also has various tips because it's it's written really for confessors Mm -hmm. uh so people who are receiving the confession and then giving them advice so for example the section on scrupulosity it has here's what scrupulosity is and here's some remedies here's what you need to do to overcome that so it actually has spiritual advice checkered through it um so it's really a, a fantastic fantastic volume i'm really glad that uh, Benedictus put it out. Uh, it's really a great service to, uh, the faithful.
1: Wonderful. Well, well, before we wrap up the show, tell us a little bit about meaning of Catholic and what you're trying to, uh, what you're trying to do there.
2: Thanks. Uh, yeah. Meaning of Catholic is a lay apostolate, meaning it's all lay people. Um, it's a collaborative effort of various Catholics from various different viewpoints and schools of thought. And The idea is that we are trying to promote uniting with one another, uniting under the Catholic faith uh, against the various errors that should be opposed in our day and areas where we can dispute and debate about things that are debatable in the Catholic faith. Uh, So the idea is that we're promoting truth and charity as lay people. Uh, We're supporting each other as lay people so that we can catechize our children. We can raise our children in the faith. Uh, we can create the domestic church.
1: Speaking of the domestic church, yes Can you, you get me a, a hamburger? Yeah, a hamburger. He wants some hamburger meat. I, think, I can
2: get you hamburger. And
1: what is his name? I want to know his name. Uh, it was Henry Augustine. Henry, Henry Augustine. Augustine. Oh, yeah. awesome. very cool. Very manly name. Yeah. Very so, thing. <laughs>
2: thank you. So, yeah, let's a new Catholic is is uh, uh, helping lay people build out the me- domestic church. We also have a. The Fellowship of Saint Anthony is, is our lay sodality of penance, where we offer penance for clergy. So Wonderful. we're we're just uh, adding extra penance um, in reparation for others, asking God for to give us bring us good clergy and for helping all the good clergy.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things I really like about your work uh, that I hadn't mentioned before is there are a lot of people running around shouting at the darkness and what we're focused on in our community uh, possibly VA, the avila foundation you know this show is how do we be a part of the solution and of course that begins with our personal holiness and our union with god which then allows us to help to lead others to the same but i think you're pulling off something incredibly difficult uh which is you know um dealing with tradition uh, which is vitally important for it's the lifeblood of the church it's it's what ensures the church is still the church as we look at it is that it's rooted in in tradition but also you know wrestling honestly with the difficulties of our time in the church outside of the church in a way that i find very charitable but not not uh skirting not pretending like everything is okay you know which i think is a a a head in the sand approach that i think I think uh, there was a kind of false optimism that we've worked ourselves out of, unfortunately, that everything was okay, but everything's not. But the, the issue is, is then how do, we, how do we participate in the solution? How do we talk about this so we understand it? And then how, how do we go out and live and teach and build up the church within our sphere of influence with, you know, with the power, whatever authority or power we have, even if it's just over our own family? So, Steph, I don't know any last words before we take the show out.
0: Well, I'm just—I just, just want to praise you, Timothy, for the work that you're doing um, with with your meaning of Catholic and and all the work that you're doing because uh, together with our community, yours, um, we can try to undo the the generations of Catholics that have been lost to poor catechesis. So, through love and through our sacrifices, hopefully, we can participate in this beautiful building up of the kingdom. Um, so we appreciate very much your work and I would encourage people to pick up handful handbook of moral theology and to support the work of Benedictus press through Sophia.
1: And you can find both um, of those out, bo- both of these books handbook of moral theology, seven deadly sins by Kevin Boast, along with a ton of other good materials at spiritual And there's a shop button there. Of course you can always trust EWTN uh, as well.
0: Great. Well, until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord, Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit SpiritualDirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.